welcome. We're late, but we're early. Next week, we go on daylight savings time here in the United States. And so which time zone are we in now? Well, we are in mythological time, and we're going to be exploring tonight something that I know everybody really wants to understand because we're constantly wrestling with it here in an authorized TV world, right? The the sort of who's who's the good guy in which narrative that we're we're dealing with. I'm sure, I'm sure, and I, I sort of thought this through about what's the best way to explain what it is that we're going to try to explain to you today. Well, you're in the park talking to one of your friends and you're, you know, like in sympathy with each other beautifully. And then suddenly, oh, I don't know, Donald Trump comes up because it does. Because I live in Obama's neighborhood. And so, you know, Trump always comes up. <laughs> and I, I've gotten very, very good at not reacting, I hope, um, because they are suddenly going to be describing somebody I've never seen. They're going to be talking about how crazy Trump is and how... Um, you know, don't you know he's, uh, you know, the evil person that's going to, you know, fill in the blank of all the terrible things that are going to happen, like white supremacy, right? And flip side, if, if well, actually Obama doesn't come up that much in conversation anymore, but say, like anybody else, oh, I know, I one of my, my um, part conversations was comparing Marjorie Taylor Greene and what's her name, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And in one version of the story, Marjorie Taylor Greene is completely insane. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is deeply compassionate and really cares about the people. Okay, I'm not sure I can say that Marjorie Taylor Greene is deeply compassionate, but she does seem to care about the people that she's representing. I am not going to be able to say whether or not I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is anything other than acting, which you could say MTG is doing too. Okay, so in fact, they mirror each other. That's what we need to understand today, where this mirroring comes from and why the one, the one person that everyone sees as the hero and the compassionate, caring one, the opposite side sees as the villain. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. Are you ready to be twinned? I'm quite nervous about this. I just we we keep getting we keep getting into rockier uh, rockier stormier and stormier waters. 
I, 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 I hope we can sail through this one without getting drowned. <laughs> the yeah, the Ark. Is it sinking <laughs> or is it just kept becoming a submarine? I Actually, we could. Then we'd be twinning the, the sailing above the waters and sailing under the waters. I think that, or now that just gave me this the image of in um, whichever the Pirates of the Caribbean, they have to go to the end of the world and they have to, to, to flip the ship. <laughs> yes. I think that's, we have, we're flip, ship flipping tonight. We're going to, we're going to show you how it works. And well, I we we keep promising that it will be to be continued, and I'm pretty sure this one's going to have to be to be continued in in certain fashion. But the definitely to be continued, that this is that the, the pieces of the structure of the mythology that we've been trying to understand are coming together really beautifully. And those of you who have been waiting eagerly for the first act of Draco Alchemicus, well, we're now we're starting to think about pictures. <laughs> Um, but a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight and presumably in future episodes is, is, is now very much feeding directly into the mythology that we're trying to craft into our story. So we appreciate your watching and appreciate your help in the comments to, to, to say whether or not we're making all of this make sense. We're, we're looking at mirrors now. We're looking at the way the good and the bad flip mm. it's a ship flip it's a ship flip so how will, how will we do this do we can we can do it the hard way or the easy way which you think we should do <laughs> which one which one's the hard way which one's the easy way well, the hard way is i stand up go get gerard and we start reading the scapegoat right <laughs> and i say okay i give you homework and no we we've been the the team the the draco team has been listening to a series of renee gerard's lectures it's a um i think about 20 years ago and gerard is trying to explain this whole system of insights that he came to over the course of his career as a literary critic starting like it's like i think i'm going backwards fashion or not going in the right fashion that he he starts with problems of the violent violence and the sacred and then moves into what he calls things hidden before the beginning of the world i think not quite um i've lost track of what order they're in then the scapegoat and then i saw satan fall like lightning and there's certain concepts that um he's trying to explain that he came to a, in fact over the course of decades right so it's it's a very revelatory experience listening to him talk about it but there, there's also some concepts that we're starting to see okay these are helpful actually helpful if if we're trying to write a myth we need to know about the structure of mythology and what he is uncovering is horrifying and comforting simultaneously because you said i find sort of revelation and knowledge and insight comforting but you also start learning like what story we're actually in and you know whether we can get out of it and how we can get out of it and such so the hard way is i say you got to go listen to a lot of regenard renee gerard start reading some really intense you know literary analytical studies know about oedipus and who cadmus of thebes is and dragons and uh, mythological structures and oh yeah <laughs> read the bible so that's the hard way 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think we should sew the hard way. <laughs> you th you think we should give them a little bit a little bit of of more mosaic intro to how we get how yeah. how I get to the point where as I'm reading mm -hmm. Rene Girard's scapegoat, I can't stop texting the, the the poetry team going, "This is it! This is it! He's the dragon!" And then we say, "No, he's not." And then we say, "Okay, what's going on here?" I will take you back in time to 2006 in London when I saw a series of ads in the subway. We'd just gotten off the plane. We were there for Christmas and I saw these. We go, good, bad, bad, good. It's broccoli and cake, okay? <laughs> and I saw this, it's a ad, they're very, very famous ads. They're sort of, um, the, the phrasing being something like, you know, everything depends on your perspective or what if you could look at the world for, with a different eye or something like that. It was HSBC, which I think mm -hmm. is a bank. I don't care. There were these banner um, ads in the the underground and all over London that, that Christmas that were pointing out the problem of I, I discernment, right? If you're, if you're looking at the broccoli cake, mm -hmm. cake, broccoli... Okay, well, it's like okay, broccoli cake, broccoli cake, and then the 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 labels on the images make you have to do this kind of adjustment, right? So, good broccoli, bad cake, okay, bad broccoli, good cake, <laughs> and then you realize actually they're both, right? Obviously, broccoli is good for mm -hmm. you, cake cake may or may not be good for you, probably bad, right? Some people really hate broccoli. I always love broccoli, so I don't see how broccoli can be bad. But for some people, it's incredibly bitter and you don't want to eat it all. But cake, oh, always good. And we're in this, um, like, mirror, Ouroboros mirroring of evaluation, mm. which I instantly recognized was the secret to all mythology. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure I did. I mean, there were, there were, there were the, 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 the interesting thing about the series is I think I did a little research on how they came up with the pairs that they um, did a little crowdsourcing. This was back in 2006, which is interesting, asking people to suggest things that they found. It's interesting whether they're opposites or, well, this is the Girardian thing is going to help us here. This will this will help you make sense of mm. Rene Girard. Um, why the pairs work, right? So broccoli and cake. I mean, maybe that's a little hard. But the, the the next one, leader, follower, follower, leader. So we have the leader. It's a man in a suit, and he's obviously you know there in the city of London leading people in their financial advisements right and the follower is the guy wearing jeans and boots actually you just see his feet so this follower is, is just wearing jeans and boots but well isn't that guy in the suit going to work in the corporate offices in fact simply following absolutely everybody else into the corporate world and it's the guy mm -hmm. in the jeans and the boots he's the real leader no so which one is which it depends on your perspective that's a point of view problem. It's a point of view. You know, you get in trouble sometimes POV. using POV in your in your chat world, your channel, and people telling you you don't know what POV is. 
I know they yell at me all the time. I don't know why. I make so many people uncomfortable. <laughs> what is what is your point of view? What can be your point of view? Are you mm -hmm. leader, follower, follower, leader? Leader, follower, follower, leader. Everything is perspective. Well, my so my next the so these we're just going through these quickly. These were the examples it's I, I saw in the traditional, trendy, trendy, traditional. Yeah, so we have one with a guy with a tribal tattoo saying traditional. These are, I mean, particular, particularly, yeah. um, I suppose Maori. Uh, it's Polynesia. Yeah. Okay, mm. so very, very traditional um, designs, and <clears throat> to have it is, you know, showing something significant, and meaningful in a, a, a ancient culture. Um, trendy is the Mindy, the woman wearing doing the henna stain on her hands well okay so you know it's trendy i was getting mindy a lot in 2000 oh, actually before that they you know they do it at, at renaissance fairs and such and you you know you get yes. you get your henna tattoo which everybody says oh you know if you have it in fact if she's done it in the picture on your hands on the tops of your hands it wears off really quickly the traditional way to do it is on the palm your palms because <laughs> then because then the 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 dye sticks around for like a whole week if you take care of it properly. Um, so saying no, you know, women getting the the henna done is is just a trend. Well, but you could say getting those uh, tribal tattoos was trendy in in twenty in two thousand six, and that the reason the women are getting the the Mindy is for the traditional reasons of being particularly for weddings, right? That you have the mm -hmm. your feet and your hands um, ornamented. Um, and it's 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 a sort of you know have the, the all just women together having the Mindy done at the the party before the bride gets you know fully veiled and covered so that you know she's she's there to meet her husband for the first time because you wouldn't she wouldn't have met him before I suppose um, certainly that to have her hands and feet covered there is it it always felt to me when I got it very sort of special and sacred even though I wasn't doing it at a wedding. Um, so which is which? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, these. Well, if you're 90s Madonna. <laughs> I'm not feeling like these are very she difficult for you. You're seeing, you're, it's too easy for you to see both sides here. Well, yeah, I mean, I live right next door to Polynesia. Half my neighbors have those tattoos and it's like, there's these guys that come out and they've got their full face tattoos and everyone, you know, screams and, and, and worries about it. Uh, because the, the neighbors to the north, you know, there's a taboo against tattooing in mm. Asia. So you have to be, you know, you're, you're in organized crime if you've got tattoos, especially on your face, <laughs> except for if you're Polynesian. <laughs> and then you're just being traditional um, and edgy. No, maybe, you're being maybe, traditional, the, maybe but... these examples are just too old. Do you think it's, it's, I mean, this was 2006. It was a fair time ago. I mean, there's one that's sort of bland and like holiday, hell, hell, holiday. And it's whether you're camping or on a cruise. I think it's on a cruise. It's like a cruise ship with people oh. on their, their sunbeds. Cruise ships. <laughs> before COVID, that would have been... <laughs> that, see, this would have been harder before COVID. Now now I just... I, I think of cruise ships. I, <laughs> this is true. PCR <laughs> testing and, and national border closures. <laughs> um I don't I don't think these are spicy enough memes. I think we should go for it. We I think we should go for some memes. So we got okay. normal people and conspiracy theorists, yeah? 
You've all seen oh, these. Yeah. No, that's and now realize, now maybe we'll get some 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 traction on this this problem that we've all been living in one of these flip worlds for years now. Mm-hmm. The 2020 world, right? 2020, yeah. 2002, two. What are we in 2023? I don't know. But that those of us who recognized, oh, look, finally the world's coming around to it, that the mask did nothing. Um, I read an article this morning that I've shared in my channel how the entire panic that happened in northern Italy was uh, specific to certain parts of northern Italy. It had to do with the pollution yep. and the breakdown of their healthcare system, the age of their population, and, oh, yes, yep. you know, medical malpractice thanks to the procedures that they were using to ventilate people who were had a cold. Um, that, but I, I, this one, the normal people in masks and their plastic face covers, and you, you know, you can only see sunglasses and, and no face at all. Those are the normal people two, two years ago. Right. And three years ago, and the conspiracy (laughs) theorists are the ones actually simply celebrating Christmas (laughs) with getting, getting on with it. That we've been living in this mirror, mirror world like intensively for the past several yes. years. And I'm wondering now whether it's, you know, sort of we're kind of exhausted with this. It's watching things flip back and forth and back and forth. I, I think with the mask thing, I used this in the mask post that I did, but it was like in autumn, winter 2020. I think it was, yeah, to mm-hmm. mask or not to mask. And I was just like, I cannot believe, I can't believe we're living in this. I can't believe we lived in it for so long. I can't believe people are still wearing masks in like ordinary day day circumstances yeah. i was just at a reception i'm still telling people not to wear them well i was at a reception this evening the british consulate <laughs> or his house or his, the downtown high-rise version of the british consulate's home and they had the staff masked the serfdom has <laughs> its face covered <laughs> Sorry, I've got to laugh because it's that was very common. The 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 help would have its face covered. Well, they still do. Mm. I mean, I don't even think Illinois is under any kind of warning by now, and now we've made this normal. <clears throat> that that that's astonishing, and and of course, you're saying, how did we get to this place where that kind of um, covering is considered polite. It'd be created five years ago to have been crazy. Yes. A lot of processing, a lot of psychological processing has gone on to get people to the point where they consider that to be normal. Uh, the whole culture has been flipped like this so much that the orientation has changed and how does that work this is this i the thing is i'm i'm seeing these these twinning pairs reading gerard in a in a rather different way now because one of the things that we've been talking Mm -hmm. about generally for the last several years is how the crowd did that right how how could Mm. the entire population flip from you know, 
what considering one thing normal to considering a completely different thing normal how could how could i mean i've got up on my facebook it's been getting a lot of likes a picture of kermit looking out the window and the rain and saying you know wondering whether all those people that unfriended me <laughs> 2020 2021 2022 are going to yeah. come back and say they're sorry for the things that they said to us when we were saying look guys no there's nothing to worry about yeah how are you so afraid um, how did you get to this point where the mass formation took over <laughs> yeah the uh how everyone entered the trip <clears throat> the, the trip that was COVID 19. uh the 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 Australian newspaper released something today, one of the state premiers that was famous for being very locked down happy, uh, was trying to suppress a freedom of information request that finally, finally got out. And um, the, the premier of the state was um, paying a full-time propaganda machine, essentially, to spy on the, <laughs> the residents of the state to see what their opinions were throughout the worst of the lockdowns mm. so there's money that gets poured into it but it's the mood of the crowd that needs to be managed more than anything so they've they put it a lot of it uh, a lot of money into managing the mood of everybody and measuring it and making sure that the the messages were there to keep everyone in the right mood which it was you know in that in that situation mm. sheer panic um and how they did it they kept moving the goalposts for you know identifying enemy and uh friend enemy the people enemy that were friend yeah yeah the people that were responsible for continuing the situation it kept changing and it changed too quickly for everybody to be able to uh, keep up with it. Well, so it's interesting that well, I'll go back mm -hmm. go back a little bit that we started with through these ads that I saw back in yep. 2006. It's like a long time ago. And there is it, it's like they, they were set up to be cognitive, cog cognitively dissonant, right? that mm. that I, I think these are we've got some more keep with us right that are going to be more triggering for you probably um but the that they were designed to trigger you somewhat to say no 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 i like that holiday if you label the cruise ship hell that doesn't make sense mm. to me if you if you label the camping holiday that doesn't make sense to me that the 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 the, the, the they're meant to be shattering these pairs that are mislabeled, you know, labeled opposite, opposite like that, right? So the the meme version of it, normal people conspiracy theorists, you know, obviously it's it's meant to be funny and work because the labels are flipped from what they're meaning, right? That the conspiracy theorists yeah. are in fact the norm behaving like normal people because they're just carrying on with their celebrations, and the conspiracy theorists are the ones labeled normal people, so that the 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 joke here, but also the joke and the ad are both meant to startle and, and ha make you go through that little moment of horror of wait, which one, which is 
the category the crisis. category crisis yeah mm. so that we've been yeah. living in this got the got a meme here my mom says you're being indoctrinated <laughs> <laughs> And one, there's two girls and one's holding a, a book with a cross on it. So Bible. And she's listening to the other one who's dressed in her Disney princess outfit and her makeup, right? And they're both their kids. So the, yes. the one with the makeup on is, is obviously a bit young to be wearing that degree of makeup. And the, my mom says you're being indoctrinated is, is very, is like, okay, fine. Which one is right. Yes. That both of them look at each other and think they're being indoctrinated, but that, and the, you know, we know the, the artist for this one made by Jim Bob is obviously going with the, the Christian is the one not being indoctrinated, but the, the problem of that, how do we say this cognitive dissonance of mirroring constantly ramping up so that we cannot we no longer can tell which side is the truth. Mm. Well, there's the category crisis, which induces panic. And mm. if the, well, this was the, um, the chaos mechanism of the COVID, uh, public health policies even if the people that were implementing them weren't conscious that they were creating chaos, that's what they were doing because, uh, you know, it was masks are ineffective. Oh, wait, no, now they're really effective. Oh, wait, now you need to triple mask. So there's constantly inducing this category crisis. People don't actually know uh, which is which when they're being flipped back and forth like this. Hmm. And then in the in the sense of the the advertisements that you've shown and the the cartoon by uh made by jim bob it sort of whittles away the consensus of the group and starts to sift based on um something i don't know kind of primal in people that polarizes them into an either or they kind of get um uh they get put into opposing camps you know maskers versus anti-maskers it becomes that very very quickly when people are um people were being told you know that they need to needed to use them then not use them then use them again right. it's this odd shifting sort of uh effect on everybody so what the way you're describing it is what I think we've we've typically been telling ourselves that they're doing this to to I mean so we they it induces the cognitive dissonance and yes. we've done we did an episode back in the autumn talking about the gaslighting and saying you know, it's like you, there, this this perpetual instability and crisis leaves us. I mean, um, I mean, there's the sort of hypnotic effect, um, yes. and also a, a problem of you, you become dependent on the next statement because your own sense of of judgment is so shattered. Yeah, you can't make predictive models in this kind of environment because if it, it's constant cognitive dissonance, you can't predict with any accuracy what's happening for yourself personally or the people around you. Right. 
So instead of assuming that, uh, you know, in, in the simpler example, instead of assuming, yeah, everyone wants to take a cruise, <laughs> do they really now? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you can't make that assumption anymore. It, it's, it's the destruction of um, your ability to make a predictive model on what, what's going on. And then because of that, you're completely destabilized and then really, really open to uh, suggestion from the outside based on um, uh, momentary emotional responses. And then you've got, you know, in the Jim Bob cartoon, you've got people that are, that are seeing these two children in completely different situations uh this wouldn't have been possible until everybody had had the ability to make a predictive social model uh eliminated if you ask most people 20 years ago where is the indoctrination it would have been very obvious that this like um elimination of of uh, of clear categories happens through this constant flip <clears throat> okay so people have lost so inability I, I i i i i'm not doing this deviously but i'm, I'm sort of leading you down a garden path <laughs> i've set you up to understand this you are... <laughs> sorry she's the puppet master i am um what's interesting is you're describing it it's like you can't tell the difference between the two of them yes mm. I mean that that you're saying that and <clears throat> and what 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 we've been talking about and I think until I started reading Gerard this is where I I you know was also looking that I it's frustrating not being able to tell the difference between you know obviously in the cartoon both of the children are being indoctrinated I mean that that's that the the one holding the Bible is being indoctrinated she's being given doctrine by the church, yes. right? So indoctrinated yes. is exactly the right word. Um, but obviously the Disney princess girl is too. So they're both being indoctrinated. The joke works because they're in fact both very similar. Yes. And what you were, yes. what you were just saying is like, we be, we, we're in crisis because you can't tell them apart, but the, and this this is what I've really only figured this out or understood it in the last few days <laughs> that it it's necessary that they in fact be very very similar so mm. with the yeah so with like with going back to the the conspiracy theorists and the normal people um I mean we felt this a lot over the last few years it's like you'd be wa walking around without a mask knowing that everybody looking at you thinks you're a conspiracy theorist but looking at them with the masks, if you're on the not mask side and going, you guys have bought yes. into the conspiracy, but they're looking at you and thinking, oh, you're a conspiracy. So the, 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 these twinnings work in the, in the ads and in these cartoons precisely because both labels work on both, they both, the labels both work both directions. Yes. They can be interchangeable. It, they're they're similar enough that you can put the same labels on each of them. They have to be interchangeable. Yeah. That's what I finally see with Gerard. Mm. 
And then everything went. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so because when so when I first when I first saw all of the ads, um, I I I started recognizing. So back in twenty two thousand six, I started recognizing how often this kind of pairing twinning comes up. Um, Mm -hmm. I've used I've used the the sort of idea a lot in my teaching over over this the the last however long, nearly 20 years, um, showing things like the, the tension between history and myth. How can you tell the difference between um, what's historical if you're looking for King Arthur, right? Because <laughs> King Arthur is basically mythological, but we have you know people looking for the historical King Arthur because even though it's very, very clear in the historical record that he's made up as a, as a character, we still believe it's like this, this history, myth, history, myth, and, 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 you know, my alt history class that I just finished teaching, I was trying to help the students see how often that kind of flip happens, Mm -hmm. that the things that we want to prove are historically real. We often, often, I will just say always, but (laughs) we want to prove them historically real because they have mythological power for us. That that Mm -hmm. we go into the study of history to find the truth about the things that we actually only truly believe in because they have this mythological grip on us. So the Disney and the indoctrinated, you know, it's like the, which is it? Which indoctrination Mm -hmm. is it? Is it the Disney stories of princesses, the fairy tales that you're wanting to inhabit and embody that are most real to you? Or is it the gospel story (laughs) that we know, you know, because of the way we date our society Anno Domini is actually historically real. And so both the girls are, they're both being taken into a story that is simultaneously historical and mythological. Yes. So it's pointing to the myth history, uh, the, the establishment of somebody's myth history, their mythological history, right? That, is the center of, of your identity essentially? Well, this so I the, the 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 good bad bad good thing started helping me see that, and then I yeah. I used it. I I was looking through my slides from my classes and thinking, okay, I've seen this several times. So, for example, I did a class with a colleague in Japanese history, and we did knights and samurai. Um, this is about two thousand seven, so I think that was the first time I started seeing it in the the twinning problem right and but okay knights and samurai they're both like warriors right yes one from one end of eurasia one from the other end of eurasia and you know if you go england japan it's kind of island countries on the opposite end of the the great landmass and in both historiographies it's very interesting you could look at the knights and you say everything we know about them is basically mythological made up chivalry Right, mm-hmm. you know, knights of the round table, Arthurian quests and romances and stuff. There's a similar sort of problem with the samurai that there's lots of stories about the samurai that are similarly sort of mythological and um, you know legendary and, and things like that. And so, when you look at the history of both of these, the actual behavior of the men of the day, the knights are brutal thugs and the samurai are brutal thugs. <laughs> But they both, they also both carry these kind of myths of um, chivalry and, and, you know, spiritual training and 
you know, one's Christian, one's Zen, and yet they they all have every guy who's you know ever played any video games or taken martial arts training knows the feeling <laughs> of when he to inhabit that sense of um, dignity and manliness and you know strength and martial prowess that goes mm-hmm. not with the reality of these men killed human beings with swords fairly well actually not unrepentantly i mean there are problems on both sides but that the the mythology of what you want why you would have a room for, we had under 100 people in that class maybe i, mean, I can't remember how many you know lots of guys wanting to learn about knights and samurai they did not want to be killers what they wanted was that feeling of masculine nobility masculine nobility right mm-hmm. but the, the the funny thing is that many of the you know it's like if you if you if you've read a lot of samurai uh, manga like i don't know lone wolf and cub you're going to have mm-hmm. a very sort of mythological vision of the samurai and think oh you know isn't it too bad that in the west we don't have trained monks as warriors it's like wait a minute <laughs> arthurian romances um and the images that we get from the samurai culture of Bushido as chivalric, oh, guess what? Were developed in the 19th century by guys who were in England, studying from Japan, studying and recognizing the chivalry was this ideal of the Victorian period. And so took it back to, it like crosses constantly. So the history, myth, mm-hmm. myth history stuff, disentangling whether, you know, but the problem is people live according to that myth. So to say the history is only mythological or the myth is only, the myth doesn't affect history, it, it, it doesn't get disentangled. It all twins up every time you start looking at it. Yeah, because people, so what I'm getting, what I'm getting from what you've described is that human beings cannot live independent of mythology. So regardless of whether or not something is historical, they're always going to weave a mythology into their narrative which means that you only get myth history and never straight history right or straight mythology it's always going to be uh yoked together they're mutually so i keep talking about twinning right they're mutually driving yes they're, they're mutually driving and then gerard is very interesting because he's trying to understand the structure of myth and I think also he's a literature professor or literature scholar primarily, but how myth breaks into history, which I've been very interested in with my study of Tolkien, because he was also interested in that, Mm. you know, at what point does history become real? Well, it's, it's sort of this problem of it's more real, the more plain and mythological it becomes. So these, but anyway, Mm. the, 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 the primary problem being, um, that you have you, you you there's a sort of figure ground problem you can't see the the myth without the history and the history without the myth in in those terms um but that this this sort of I'm going to show the next picture and then everybody will get mad at me okay, okay. there we go <laughs> comedian grifter grifter comedian tell me which is which Oh, <laughs> hi everyone! <laughs> I can't personally, can I? <laughs> no, because you shouldn't be able to, right? It's like mm-hmm. so Owen training himself by having tomatoes thrown at him. 
to be a comedian was obviously running a fair, you know, he's at the Renaissance fair grifting off of people's frustration with the insults that he's hurling at them. So they throw tomatoes at him. <laughs> um, Jim Bob, Jim Bob, obviously, I mean, I, in this one, it's interesting. Can anyone point me towards my opinion, which I found hilariously appropriate, right? Because, <laughs> because Owen is the guy who has tomatoes thrown at him is, is saying things that enrage people enough to get them to, th- throw tomatoes that's his whole point yes and then jim bob even in his own cartoon they're saying what opinion should i have the joke being of course everybody's trying to tell all of us what like we were talking about with the ad the advertisements and the propaganda and the, the the health messaging and stuff what should i believe and in his doing that as a cartoonist and you know selling his products and images on on you know, it's very easy to put stuff on on products if you sign up with zazzle <laughs> we could we have merch for sale at we, Drag- have we have we have merch for sale at, at <laughs> dragoncommonroom.com which you should check out because we have puzzles and a lamp and a, ooh paperweight here we got we got this we got oh, this yeah, i hear here my my grifting moment of the the lovely the lovely um dove paperweight right I'm hold, holding a a, a globe of, of light right? <laughs> that's filled with the dove. It's very, it's like we do this. We are both, you know, performing and hoping to profit from it. Yes. And of course, the, the uh, discussion that has spiraled up in the UATV community and elsewhere over the last month or so has been in the he's a comedian I'm a comedian he's a grifter he's a grifter I'm a comedian and it it's like this twinning of I just thought this I got this dragon image one that works with the poem Uh, my dragon song my dragon song poem that I co-wrote with Cheryl Um, but it's also like in Merlin's prophecies and and Jeffrey Monmouth's completely not historical story about King Arthur, you get these these like red white red white red white twinning of intensities and energies, which is appropriate since the uh, reception I went to tonight at the consulate was for whales, <laughs> so we're thinking about mm-hmm. dragons, right? But this the the kind of spiraling energies that come when you get two characters that are basically identical. Just yeah. Sorry, my brain went into like four different directions. I saw the yin and yang. I'm seeing a maypole dance. Yes, <laughs> finally. I'm this really odd. Um, uh, oh, there was this really strange book I bought when I was younger. With some guy talking about some asteroid thing. Anyway, it was the origin of the letter A, the figure eight, because apparently there was a star formation that was going in this weird kind of spin out yeah um too many thoughts at once uh the there was this film um i don't know if you've ever seen it it was uh, a jet Li movie like kung fu mm. and it was called the one so it's about all these parallel universes there's a million universes and then uh it's the same character but in all of these different parallel universes one of them is a, a very dangerous criminal figures out how to jump into the other universes and starts killing himself because the more you kill, the more power you're getting because mm. all of your other multiverse versions are all dead. Anyway, there ends up being just two left. So that's what you've described. This uh, impossible to tell the two of them apart because, of course, they sound the same. 
uh, one's good, one's evil. It's very difficult to tell which one is which. Exactly. And th this is where I finally started to understand. So Matthias Desmet, the Belgian um, psychologist, I forget what his, his academic field is, right? But he, he, he's been writing, he's been talking about the mass formation stuff and totalitarianism mm -hmm. and things like that. And the, the thing that I could not get from his description of the mass formations is why, right? How, what, what, what mm -hmm. is actually the mechanism for how the mass ends up believing these things um, about the danger, where the danger is, right? And and he's you know mm -hmm. sort of talking generic. He talks generically about the way the gaslighting works and the the triggers and things like that. And could say the back in those two thousand six ads with the cake and the broccoli or the hell and heaven vacations that they're the seed of this. And mm -hmm. I started seeing it with the history myth, myth history, and then. Back in 2012, when I was finally reading about Obama, why he wasn't the person that I thought he was in 2008, and I'm I'm starting to, I'm starting to have to break out of whatever one version of the siding that is like, you guys, you're not going to be able to take sides by the time we finish this, this episode. That um, you know, Obama had was standing for everything good that Bush had not been right. And then I started mm -hmm. reading about Obama and some of the conservative literature. And I'm like, okay, no, he's not good. He's not the good guy. And there's Romney running against him. And I'm doing these blog posts talking about, you know, your guy, our guy, our guy, your guy. And realizing that the, that the same sort of, now I, now I would say the same sort of twinning kept happening, right? It's like- mm -hmm. it, Coke versus Pepsi. Coke versus Pepsi. That yep. you see, oh, you look at Obama, and if if you're on our side, you see him as the embodiment of all good things, and if you're on the other side, you see him as the griftery bad guy, and and vice versa. I can't see. I mean, Obama and not Romney look identical to me now, <laughs> because eventually I started seeing that. I mean, more recently, okay, so we have Owen and Jim Bob twinning each other and and spiraling mm -hmm. up in this kind of dragon dance, right? But we've also been reminded, because of all the tapes that Tucker Carlson has started to to um, talk about, of the twinning of what was going on on January 6th. And this one, I actually, mm -hmm. I put up, um, it's um, Nancy Pelosi and Jacob Chansley, um, Q Shaman, uh, Pelosi in one of her signature pantsuits with a very ritual decorative mask on right I'm, I'm still fascinated by this mask that she wore it's so amazingly um ornamented with embroidery mm -hmm. and such it's like it's like th this was not a medical mask right this was a ritual mask theatrical it's very yeah. theatrical very very and we know that they're wearing them theatrically but this one actually worked <laughs> and chansley is there with his face paint on and his you know um He's holding a flag and he's got his buffalo hat and he's got, I assume they're tattoos, whether they're painted on or I, I guess they're tattoos. They seem fairly stable. Um, and uh, that, you know, patriot, traitor, traitor, patriot. I, I was very taken by the words patriot, traitor, because there's, they're like nearly anagrams. There's no P in traitor, but that they were, they, mm. they, you know, they were like you can see the words themselves doing this twinning and anybody looking at Pelosi who was standing up for, you know, the, the, the 
proper functioning of our government and the, 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 the recognition of the true elections. She's the patriot. And there's the Q shaman and his costume, you know, ruffianness, barbarian at the gates taking, you know, well, we've seen him now on the, on the videos walking through calmly through the, and I did, I did blog posts on this, how <laughs> the most relaxed barbarian in the history. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. And, and the thing is I did, I did a long blog post on when he's in the, in the chamber and he walks in and he goes, Hey, right. He's such a dude. <laughs> And, and there's an officer following him and he prays and everything. So no, he's the patriot and she's the traitor because those of us on, you know, once the other side of the conversation say, no, there was, there was definitely shenanigans around something and mm -hmm. she's participating in covering it up. Patriot, traitor, traitor, patriot. And I, I, I did this blog post with this picture when I'd been listening to Owen talking about batteries. And so this one was called battery life how the two poles, good, bad, positive, negative, are necessary to kind of drive the whole engine. Yes. Yeah, the polarity is needed. Right. <clears throat> positive and negative. Or it doesn't work. So, um, so we can't predict, you can't predict the category because people are going to look I'm just thinking in terms of like how to think about these kind of uh, iconic twins, the twinning effect. You can't predict who is going to be who because they look so similar. They have to look similar in order to be twinning. You can't predict and they do flip. So they don't necessarily stay the same. Would that be correct? I, well, this that's now now we're getting to an accurate description of the phenomenon that when when mm -hmm. when I was listening to Owen talk about the batteries and I'm like I think that so then we put it in the McLuhan's the McLuhan um, media moment and I'm like okay this is clearly electrical, right? It's yes. it's a it's a positive and it's like it, it's driving it you know positive and negative just as the poles of the magnet or the the battery or whatever so not necessarily good and bad but just the the poles driving the dynamo or however however hans i mean <laughs> everyone knows because i admitted it i failed electromagnetism in physics lab that the you know that you create an electric electric magnet and spins the dynamo and positive and negative it's like it's the alternating current thing i think my metaphors are breaking down but that that somehow that my 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 until Gerard, my thinking was that was what it was. It's a kind of energy spiral. Mm. So in fact, you need both of them, right? You, and, and if you find one, if you find one, there's going to be the opposite somewhere, right? And, and then recognizing that obviously our elections run this way with the, you know, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, um, you know, parliamentary, they always end up in, in, in the parliamentary system, two sides, they drive each other. You're not going to have a one party. Yes. I mean, it's a uniparty, but it's a uniparty of this polarizing. So they look identical, but they're polarized. Yeah, I'm thinking that's a, it explains why uh, the category left and right becomes meaningless because they're interchangeable now. They they seem to be interchangeable. If you speak to people on the left, the right, you can't. You know, you you the 
the old category labels are not applicable because they've started to merge to become so similar that it's very difficult to tell them apart one from the other. It becomes a question of indoctrination like the Jim Bob cartoon more than it does actual differences. So that's what we've been thinking, right? And that's and they mm. say it's like the Orwell, the animal farm when the the pigs become fat people, right? And you say the capitalist yes. and communists are actually the same. The you know the the, the, the and, and we we're constantly having this feeling in the the conspiracy theorist world. <laughs> Recognize there's only one system, right? That that there yep. that there isn't that that's why all of the people in Congress end up dressing identically. It's like they've changed the you know, different ties if they're color ties if they're men, or that I couldn't tell the difference. You know, I can't. You know, by now I can't tell the difference between MTG and AOC. They're obviously poles yeah. of the same battery, and you know, AOC almost called out the the requirement that there's an MTG. Because you need the you need the two of them, one by itself won't run, whereas both of them the, the together give the energy that. So I'm going to unpack this even more, but we we get this is where I'd gotten to in, uh, until yeah. recently, right? That the, the recognizing these well, as the, batteries, so that we go to now they're charged they're charged by the tension of contrast, right? But they're almost identical. Which is which mm. is which is is really tricky. So much so that next next we have George the Third in his coronation outfit and the Constitution. Conservative, liberal, liberal, conservative. <laughs> which one is which? I mean, in 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 the American political scene, we've been having this you know sort of like there's no rhinos. They're all you know Republican in name only. The conservatives, they you know they don't even conserve what they think they can. Well, probably because they're another of these 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 dyads, right? Is mm. is is the the monarch conservative of tradition and the Constitution is liberal in its Enlightenment philosophy, or is in fact the king? liberal because he's actually the guarantor of liberty and i mean what's mm -hmm. ironic is george iii is just in enlightenment as the constitution right they're they're another and and the and the and the constitution is now the conservative so that those who those of us on the right which you're gonna see it doesn't work that way um you know think that what we want to do is conserve the the institutions as they were originally described in the constitution but you you might be better off with the you know the, the 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 liberalizing ability of the king. Although George the Third, insofar as he's a mercantilist, free trade, Adam Smithian, whatever he was, right? It's another dyad. Yeah, it's it's choose your version of Globo Homo. In this one, yeah, yeah, because George the yeah. Third is the yeah. British Empire, and the Constitution is now the American Empire. Um, yes. Uh, it Anglo's and Americans, right? But what I was also thinking when I put these together, I put some of these pairs I put together for my class, and then I relabeled them for us. <laughs> this one I had just good, bad, bad, good. It's like the king's good, the constitution's bad. No, the king's bad, the constitution's good. But that the king as a human being, who in whom you can actually mm -hmm. invest, you know, authority and responsibility is a is a is a stronger good than the document that you use 
you know, it's, a document's just a piece of paper. It it has no power whatsoever, except for mm. you know the agreement that everyone has to abide by it. And this this twinning of king and document is a feature of mm. British his, English history, right? That here's the king, and we're going to write a document about whatever it is to make it real. But it's only the human beings that can make the document real. So which one is the 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 actual authority? the problem of vivifying a covenant isn't it <laughs> yes we yeah. have casey gave us a, a super chat thank mm. you magna carta constitution constitution magna carta um so maybe although those are both documents so they're almost the magna carta is binding the king and the Constitution is the people declaring themselves the constitutors. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that one, that Magna Carta Constitution doesn't work the same way King Constitution does in the in the twinning problem. I have to think about Magna Carta Constitution. Yeah, because it's an argument over who's sovereign. Who is the sovereign? With the king and the constitution. The king is the king the yes, king is sovereign yes. or the people are sovereign. Um yes. but what's interesting with the king, he's only king insofar as the people recognize him as such. And th the constitution is interesting because it's like we the people create this nation, but we're finding out what happens when you don't have that bot that that human being in in whom the responsibility lands then you know mm. right yeah well we we have this argument here because we have we have we're not republic thankfully <laughs> i'm not a republican <laughs> and um and so we we have this strange relationship to our monarchy because it's sort of not our monarchy so us australia is kind of a pseudo monarchy so we have we have a problem with this twinning because we're not fully sovereign, uh, not fully under the sovereign, which is the king. Yet we're not fully uh, our own uh, republic under a constitution. So we're in this strange gray area down under. But the argument here is always around the word sovereignty. Mm. It's a very trigger. It's a very triggering word for Australia right now. Sovereign, sovereignty, sovereignty, especially with the native. Um, the native question because our uh, our indigenous people weren't included on the constitution that the british created so they're arguing over sovereignty so yeah this is this is a good one <laughs> in terms of our, in terms of the australian twinning this would be the this would be the big one sovereign and it's very triggering for everybody here right now there's a lot of unease around it so what what we're trying to unpack is is okay the, the okay there's the twinning and then gerard actually has an explanation for why this this happens this driving out of it um mm -hmm. there's recognizing the twins what are, what are actually the pairs that are generating the and it's not it, it there's energy but it's it's also destruction potentially out of these pairs mm -hmm. i mean it's obviously the constitution was after the United States kicked George out. Um, mm. The Patriot traitor. It's like there's there's potential for violence in all of these. 
Yeah. Um, Casey, Casey <laughs> points out there's a copy of the Magna Carta in the Library of Congress. Interestingly enough, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say, forgive me. I need to check something. Homework. Homework is find more twins because they're everywhere. <laughs> I've got one, okay. and I think I just have to check because it was Saint Paul on the boat called Castor and Pollux. Mm. Oh, but yeah. It had, you know that no, one? No, no, good. But the actual twins, Castor and Pollux, right? So Castor and Pollux, uh, the um, constellations, but they're the twins. They're Gemini. Now, let me see it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. It was Paul sailing under the sign of Castor and Pollux. <laughs> so St. Paul, I remember that. Now, there was a shipwreck. <laughs> That's why when he said the potential for violence, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened to St. Paul. Luke writes, after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship. as Egypt. Whose, fig whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. Anyway, there you go. So okay, the twinning, the, twin, the twinning effect has been there since since forever. Cain and Abel. Anyway, carrying on. <laughs> no, and so what? What Gerard is going to say is you're going to start realizing how many stories have these twins. These, I mean, in some, in some things they're actually simply yes. twins, brothers, right? But I think, or, well, actually they're usually brothers. Are they? They can have. They can be female twins too. And I'm in the scapegoat I'm reading. He's talking about the um, beheading of John the Baptist and how Herod and Herodias are twinned. And then Herodias and her daughter are twinned. Mm -hmm. That it's the, the, the what what mm -hmm. Gerard tried to find figure out was like okay, so why does this constant mirroring and intensity happen? Let's carry on. Esther and Vashti. Now we have empire, nation, nation, empire, class. Can you recognize what these images are? <laughs> <clears throat> Is this what I think it is? Well, this one. So one of them has it's. Um, uh, I I I I. You realize I pick my 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 juxtapositions very carefully so that they work visually too. Um, one's a long reflecting pool with a um, monument at the top and a sort of circular in place monument at the bottom. Um, the other is mm -hmm. got a big red banner. Uh, and a star with a hammer and sickle on it and uh, at the bottom of the picture, tanks. <laughs> so one's, one's DC and what? Violence arrives. One's DC and one's Moscow. Um, and uh. what I was trying to twin here was these are, these are both ways of celebrating the victory in World War II. Um, the okay. monument in Washington is the monument to the the World War, and I forget exactly what it's called, but it's got it's a circular thing with the all fifty states, and then a pool in the center, so that there's there's monuments for each state, and this is showing the United States as the victor in World War Two, um, and then mm. the the one in Moscow was a parade they had last summer uh, in May. Um, with tanks and the sort of celebration of the the Soviet victory over the Nazis. So these are the two the two you know victors over the Nazis. Mm. But which which is you know which which counts itself? And then I was trying to when I was trying to label this one you know the good bad good bad good, good, bad good. And it's like is Empire good? I'm not sure. Usually in my twinnings the good star is the starter, but 
um, the United States obviously is an empire, and Russia is now behaving yes. like a nation because you know its empire broke up, right? So Russia, insofar as it is Russia, is a nation. But you know, this is last summer, so they're showing off their military equipment in what some from our side of the story would say looks like an imperial expansion into the Ukraine, which they would say, no, it's an extension of the nation. Um, the United States likes to think of itself as the nation, right? We've got our nation of of citizenship and civic nationalism and such. We're not an empire, right? We're simply a nation. Whereas, no, the Russians, they're the ones with the empire because there was such a thing as the Russian empire, right? Before it broke up in World War yes. <laughs> But the point yes. being, it's like these are literally, they both beat the Nazis. So it's it's interesting that they then end up in the, the, the twinning violence of the, of the Cold War and now the present war mm. of NATO versus Russia, whatever that means. Um, these should start looking more, I mean, maybe, you know, comedian, grifter, grifter, comedian. Oh, those, no, they're totally different. Jim Bob did this. Owen did that. No, it's different. It's completely different. It's his fault. It's his fault. Excuse me. <laughs> to be able to feel the energy that's generated by these pairings, that's the the, the first yeah. step. So they have a... So there's... Well, in the case of the the Russians in America... It's a shared enemy that then creates this rivalry between the two mm. of them. Then they splinter into a cold war. Previously, they had the same point of focus. They had the same enemy. They've lost their point of focus. They lose their shared enemy. So then they turn on Did each they? other. Did they lose their shared enemy? Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> No. Not mythologically. Not mythologically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Soviets and now the Going Russians to mythology and hate history. the Nazis just as much as the Americans do. So they're they're in fact, I mean this yeah. this is this is what's interesting about this pairing now I realize it's like the Cold War you could see it as the rivalry that happens over what the you know they both get the atomic bomb. But the original pairing mm. is because they were, you, you know, they were both defeating the Nazis and they both hated the Nazis mm. intensely for, I mean, for, interesting for the Americans, hating the Nazis was a continuation of World War One. Oh, look, friend, enemy, enemy, friend. <laughs> I love when I've got You're my slides boy. in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> we have... Um, Ein Vaterland in Gefahr, uh, something like that. I'm just like, uh, no, Sein Vaterland in, is in danger, right? Volunteer, to, these are World War One. Um, over the top for you, mm. buy U.S. government bonds, third liberty loans. I think they're, they're, they're World War One. Which one did I find these? Well, anyway, it's Germans and Americans, right? And the, I mean, one of the things that we've obviously been starting to become much more aware of is how the, the, um, generation of war re re relies on these completely paired twinned um oppositional forces right the the german the german recruiting mm -hmm. poster and the american recruiting poster and 
I, 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 these I chose because they were both showing, you know, manly soldiers defending the, defending their country, right? Defend the fatherland, defend the flag. And you as American look at the German one and say, enemy. And you as the German look at the American one and say, enemy. But, you know, like the, the, the football game or the rugby game or the soccer game, whatever it was at that Christmas truce, right? They're identical. They're young men thrown into this rivalry. Oh, yeah, the soccer game. Right, over, over. <clears throat> well, what, right? And it after the the moment of the cognitive dissonance and the, the twinning and the escalation evaporates, nobody can remember. Mm. are we are we even going to be able to remember why people started wearing those masks i i bet some people don't don't even think about it anymore it's like why are you wearing a mask oh i just do like that there's there's this these escalations happen the jim bob owen debate nobody knows what started it now it's just it's going to keep going of itself the the russian american one the german english one it becomes a perpetual motion machine culturally Mm. that okay so this is interesting because we have two empires or an empire nation or nation and empire depending on your perspective (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) gets confusing um so we've got the point of view, nation, empire, point of view, empire, nation, and then the shared hate muse of Nazi Germany, which keeps this uh, relationship moving, keeps it cohesive. Um, so this would explain it because... There's no rationality there. Therefore, people can run this uh, mechanism with a, the amnesia of understanding the, the, the beginning of it because it's not a rational mechanism, it's an emotional mechanism. It's very much an, it's very much an emotional is, mechanism. And, and you, mm, you call it you a hate, hate muse. Nazi. Yeah, I, I've gone back to empire yeah, and nation, hate nation empire. That hate muse... Very, very powerful. Yeah. They hate Hitler. So Germany. Mutually. Yeah. It's the hate. Yeah. So that in in this particular example, Germany is the hate muse of the Soviets and the Americans. Right. Well, I think particularly the Nazis. Not- so, I mean, the Russians mm. are in Ukraine now saying they're fighting Nazis. The Americans are in mm. whatever we're doing exactly through NATO fighting the Russians so they don't become Hitler like, right? It's like they 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 the the yeah. the, the, the hate muse this this negative desired object is the same mm. for both of them. Which everybody's been very very confused about, right? It's like, wait, are we fighting Nazis? Wait, we're all fighting Nazis because yes. the Nazis drive this particular twinning. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense because the third world were not involved. 
the third world became the third world because they were non-aligned with both Soviet and America, uh, the Soviet side and the American side. And for the most part, from my memory, the third world or the non-aligned nations had nothing to do with that particular conflict. So they have their own hate muses that drive their own uh, particular twinning. Well, if you think about all of all of the places where the you know the hate muses are working, usually the two sides from mm. the outside look identical. Mm. And, and it's it's almost impossible for outside. It's like the um, wait, which one do I got? The Iranian civil war. There was the civil war there, right? Iran versus Iraq, right? To the outside, I mean, they think they're. I mean, and, and this this will you know be saying it's like everybody will end up with. Oh yeah, you know Catholics and Protestants. <laughs> uh, that that Sunni and Shia. Oh well, they're they're all Muslims, aren't they? Why do they fight? Mm -hmm. Right. So the the the, the you yes. know the closer they are, the more vicious it gets. And what Mel is saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's not quite what this is. This is something else. Um, the hate muse has two faces. So we're we're getting we're giving you enough examples now that we're getting into the the like why I was going wow wow because I realize of course if I don't like go take you all through the journey yeah. that I went on to get to my understanding <laughs> nobody gets there right you step through the look I just went step through come on cool guys it's yeah. mimetic rivalry okay you still don't know what that is yet all right so we we we've got the we've got the friend enemy and your friend and recognizing <laughs> that certainly. World War World War One is incomprehensible to most people to look at it now because why would they fight? The Germans and the English mm -hmm. were nearly identical in the First World War. Um, the French, right? They mm -hmm. all look like you know, classically educated Christian young men fighting, you know, courageously against what? Right? It's like what were they fighting against? Sauron. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Rational, superstitious, superstitious, yeah. rational. We get deep. This which one's, one, um, which one's the Cotton Mather, again? who was the Harvard president of Harvard and one of the two Mathers who was most responsible for the driving of the Salem witch trials. Oh, okay. Um, and, and the hmm. other is, um, now I've forgotten her name and I should look it up. One of the one of the Native American women who was accused of being a witch, and um, has I, I had one of my students in my alt history classes doing her paper on these these this this particular twinning, and you can start with oh well obviously it was rational to be worried about witches back in the 17th century because they were you know disrupting the community and there was all, there's also rational reason to be worried about Indian attacks in 17th mm. century Salem. Um, and there we have, I got to look her up. I forgot what her name is. Oh, Tatuga or something like that. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't remember her name properly. Um, and she has, you know, various associations with, um, I think in, oh, I'm going to have to look her up. <laughs> Carry on while I, I do my research that I should have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got it. I'm thinking about this. So the all of these pairs are identical, even though they might look differently 
slightly differently aesthetically. They're essentially the same. You've just described a high-tech American and a, a Native American. Mm-hmm. As a twin pair, I'm thinking that this effect, it transcends technological differences. This twinning effect can translate technological differences. So I looked at, she's it, an enslaved South American Indian from the West Indies. I'm accused of attracting the girls, but so she's enslaved, but she's from South America to mm. Tuba. I was close. <laughs> okay, carry on. So, so I mean, the thing is, Mather and Tatuba are completely twinned in this because by the by now the 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 modern scholarship is seeing her as you know an empowered woman of indigenous craft, and him as completely yes. superstitious idiot Puritan. So they flipped completely mm -hmm. over the course of the, the scholarship. Um, and now most people use the Salem witch trials as the example of hysteria. But it's Mather, the one who is the superstitious one, not Tatuba or her you know, medicinal practices. Mm. So what was their hate muse? Well, see, then this is when it's like the Nazis is easy because there there's this hate muse and it's it's still to a certain extent present to us as the the, the hate character, right? We throw everything on Hitler easily. It, you know, yes. you, you know how to recognize your enemy because he's like Hitler. But everybody's enemy is like Hitler. So that just makes our twinning more powerful. In the rational superstitious, then what's the what they're they're starting to recognize there has to be something that they're both focused on that starts the driving mm. and it's the the mystery in the in the the twinning and the uh escalation is what that object was So in order for, um, I'm just, I'm trying to um, solidify the visual here. So we have two different elements which are orientated towards the same <clears throat> central body. And then they move into orbit around that in opposition to one another. And as they're moving around this uh, object, this uh, devotional object, or in this case, something that they both hate, <laughs> they become more and more alike until you can't tell one from another. Right. So let's go. So this let's, let's go back. Let's go back and start over with our examples. So we got Owen and Jim Bob. <laughs> tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> Bubble. But I'm <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> but that's what it is, isn't it? Yes. Some, yes, basically. The effect. 
Okay. Yeah. The, so the, the effect, effect now. Now that we've explored enough of these, and it's like we we've got we've got a we've got a big one to wrestle with by the end of, at the end of this series, right? We'll say that what Gerard yeah. saw in myths that he studied, and this is the origin of the 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 the, the relationship between the violence the violence and and the sacred, is mm-hmm. that all human desire is in fact mimetic. He says um, that what we did we we and this i'm taking more from what i heard in his lectures rather than what i've read in the book so far but um that we don't we don't want things of ourselves simply this is also explaining advertising (laughs) we want things that we see other people desiring Mm -hmm. okay so the first the first step in this structure the this this dynamic structure that he's seen is saying recognizing the power of mimetic desire wanting what someone else wants so we imitate what the other person wants which is then interesting it's like when is there ever a, a beginning desire well he does talk about in the lectures he talks about the adam and eve and the fall the tomatoes <laughs> um that the snake tells her it's good right so She's seen yeah. what the snake desires. So then Satan has to come in there. I'm not sure where Satan's going to get in there. I, mean, he, I haven't studied Gerard enough yet. But the snake shows her what she wants, to what she's to desire. And then she desires it and then gives it to Adam, who desires it because she's desiring it. There's a, the, 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 the initial twinning is you have the same object of, of wanting, So then having to, to, to looking at these pairs to see what's the thing that they're both desiring, which will then, mm. what, 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 and, and this, all the light bulbs went off when I heard Gerard explain this, that you start as brothers because you share that focus. You become mm-hmm. rivals because you share that focus. It's Jacob and Esau. Yep. And it yeah. and it's in and it to Casey was actually saying that um, that it's also heartbreaking to think about it that way. It's like you become rivals because you actually wanted the same thing, and then you destroy each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tragedy. There we go. Human history. <laughs> There's more. He went he went further than that, but that was his first step, recognizing that mm. we end up in rivalries because and, and the, the there was a very sort of plain way he said it and I, I started thinking about, oh wow. So for example, you have two mathematicians who say are in graduate school and both of them love studying math, but then there's only one position of professor. Mm-hmm. And then they become hated rivals. And then I started going mm. back through my history and going, oh, <laughs> moments when I, you know, had been in your, like in graduate school is, is, a, is, a, is a hard one, right? Because you're all there. It's, it's, a, it's a moment when, it's the last moment as an academic that you ever get to feel camaraderie, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's true. Because <laughs> you all go and you're in graduate school and you all love the same topic and you get to be friends together because you're all loving the same topic. And then the rivalry kicks in and it's incredibly difficult because 
you want the same thing and there's only one of it, right? That particular teaching position or that particular mm -hmm. accolade, or the, it's like the, 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 the actual desire and love for the same thing. I mean, it, it also, you know, it feels like all um, romantic triangles, right? The, the two men love yes. the same woman. And at first they're friends because they honor, you can see it out there in the internet constantly, right? We're all going to be fans. Oh no, I'm the best fan. <laughs> yeah. never more bitter than that moment <laughs> you become rivals over the love that you have for the beloved i'm just thinking this is the entire history of the israelites oh yes <laughs> the, the more you the more you're saying it like yeah there's that and then that and then that and yeah it's just constant the constant effect of twinning around a shared desire which produces a rivalry that <laughs> ends up in some catastrophic implosion somehow. Um, it makes perfect sense. So then I, then I started, I'm, we're going backwards now, right? Going back to what, what drove the COVID stuff, right? I'm trying to find, there's, there's got to be, so the mimesis was clear, right? The imitation, everybody yes. started imitating each other. And that's what, um, Matthias Desmond was describing this mass formation. It's like you, you, what you need, the driver there is you need the way people imitate each other. And, and it's, 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 mm. it's more than just, we don't like feeling left out of the group. I mean, we don't, but, but there's also, you know, people will be, one person will do something and then the whole group does it. And you're basically just imitating each other. Fashion works that way, right? The fads and yeah. it's just, and, and it's, it's a kind of contagion of you know stupid hairstyles for goodness sake or ridiculous clothes or i'm i you know i'm actually quite sympathetic to all the people that color their hair different colors now because i think they just want to be you know they want to imitate the colors that they're constantly looking at in our video devices you know in our in our rainbows yes. they, they're imitating the rainbows it, it it's pretty simple actually um, but with the, 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 the COVID stuff there, there had to be something else to then mm. drive it up. So I think the mimesis is the, the medic, the, the medic rivalry is part of it, but I'm not sure it, it solved everything. And there are, and, and the thing is Gerard sort of did this too. He sort of, okay, I've got this piece. And then he starts saying, well, wait, okay, then how that, right. And he kept adding on elements to his his structure to say, okay, this goes with that. It's like, he's discovering the whole mechanism and then you keep testing mm. it. We should keep testing. It's like, we should, oh yeah, he's got the solution. And that, that solves that. It's a, it's a dynamic exploration of why are these elements there? Okay. Now I see this, that I didn't see that before. And in a revelation, right? There's this, this, this regular sense of, oh, that's why that's there. Okay. Now what, what did we put this piece in? So the mimesis is so, first, the imitation and then the rivalry that spins up from that. Mm. So people are being memed into rivalry in the sense that to imitate something is to follow the meme of that particular object. Well, I think some of the memes are, are pointing to the fact of that imitation 
mm-hmm. and trying to, but, but the other thing Gerard started to realize is the, the thing that drives the rivalry is usually hidden. It, it's, it's okay. not, it's, it's, it's not something that you're necessarily conscious of as it's happening, which is why wars can, mm. can carry on. Right. It's like, if, if we realized what we were fighting over was that, um, it, and it's, it's also why, uh, I think, I think I'm playing on this myself. Um, one, why the, why the two sides that he's in the rivalry, the two sides will become more and more like, because they're looking for the same, they're, they're focused on the same object of desire. So mm-hmm. they actually want the same thing, which is why they end up looking like both them, themselves and their reaction to the, the, the desire. I'm back to Owen and Jim Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> the way you're describing this, it's kind of, uh, transformation of, Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and explain this. It's 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 a transformation of a group of people who start to take on the identity of a totem that represents that group. So this is the. Uh, this is the Polynesian tattooing. So we have like a particular tribe that has a particular mark set of markings. Or they'll ha- they'll have a tribal totem, and then because they're all thinking about this particular totem that represents the ideal, you know, that's the thing that everybody's desiring to take on the the traits of this particular totem. They all mark their bodies in this particular way until everyone in the tribe has the same markings. And then because everyone starts to look similar, they have to find some way of differentiating themselves. The rivalry is in who can embody it the best out of all of those people Mm. that are beginning to look so similar because they're all staring at that same totem. This is kind of the way that I'm seeing it work in that very basic way. You've hit it exactly. That's exactly what Gerard figured out. Very good. (laughs) Tribes. (laughs) But but yeah, I get that. The the, the actual rivalries come from sameness, not difference. Mm. And that we always tell things about, he's like, oh, they're, you know, they're fighting because they, they, they're, they're so different. It's like, actually, no, they're fighting because they're so much alike. And as you just mm-hmm. said, and they needed something to differentiate themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're, I mean, this is like the ancient way of ma- manifesting it because everyone had that shared aesthetic. So, and everybody's going back into it as well. 
you know, with body modification, everyone's having tattoos and piercing mm-hmm. and everything. Every, you know, the the visual, the, the the aesthetics of the face. It's all becoming very tribal and very same, 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 same. So I I think I'm missing some steps in my understanding of what Jory said. At some point, this becomes intolerable, and there's it's like there's a crisis of, and this is this is what I'm wondering with about the the COVID stuff. It's like I yes. I could I one could feel it coming, which was interesting, and um. You know, some of it I kept telling myself, oh, it's like, you know, it feels like it's 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 going to be like the French Revolution because there's going to be something like, you know, this kind of explosion that will take two or three years and then everybody will wake up and go, oh, what did we just do? <laughs> We're kind of in that moment right now, right? Um, but what I, I, I knew it was coming. I didn't know why. And I'm still not sure I understand yeah. why. I, I did. It's like Owen's posting now about how he predicted it in 2020. I did too, guys. It's on the blog. I mean, some of it I wrote it down on the blog because I knew I needed to be able to say, "Look, I did see this mm. back at the time, right?" And 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 I could feel it happening. What was going on? If if what <clears throat> Gerard is pointing to is things had gotten too same, right? There was there was a need for differentiation, and the crisis comes now. He's going to the scapegoat comes when you need something to like pile all of this. <laughs> and 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 what i don't understand yet right now is is where the crisis comes from i kind of i think i got two poles of the problem the mimesis and the rivalry spin up and then the scapegoat and i think i'm missing the middle um that you can i think you can feel the crisis happening to i was weirdly enough to a certain extent everything it was becoming very much same right we were all you and i've been talking about this it's like all in the internet we're all becoming exactly the same and that that creates this just intolerable need for differentiation. Well, we've had 80 years of compulsory schooling in the West mm. and then that's an industrial schooling model which produces sameness for industry because that's how it was that that's how it was developed. It was developed under the Prussian model, the shul, mm. which was a military uh military um blueprint transposed over the education for you know german (laughs) german factory excellence i mean so there's there's social engineering that we've all been dealing with in the background that we're we're not conscious of because just like the masks oh we've always done that we've always sent our children to school to become just like everyone else's kids so they can fit into the same cubicle so the sameness is there right yes so this makes sense to me now because everyone's been behaving like Germans for 80 years in the Schul model and then losing their uh, microclimates, which would create little duchy cultures. Mm-hmm. So we've already been working with the kind of imperial model of doing things. And then we've lost the third world to turn to because the third world has started to industrialize. So now we don't even have that first world, second world, third world contrast. We're losing that as a kind of mechanism of polarity. We're, you know, it's sort of blending and blending, blending, blending. And then the, yeah. And everyone says, right, crisis! (laughs) Because everyone was getting too same. makes perfect sense. The tribe needed to have a big contest of uh of rivalry in order to decide who was different 
Yeah. This is why I love talking about this stuff with you. Yes, I think that's exactly it. Isn't that amazing? It's so cool <laughs> and also really terrifying. Yes, yes. And the, and the you know, so it, yeah. Okay, so it, the reason I got interested in the Q Shaman was because Jonathan Pajot posted something in winter, in like December, 29, December 2020 saying things are starting, things are going to get like, weird right enchanted something like that and mm. then on january 6th after this the the uh photographs of shaman came out peugeot said look i said this was coming right and i'm like oh there it is this is very interesting and then i went and watched this this mm. video with with q shaman talking about you know being in the sacred place of the of the capital and knowing therefore something sacred was happening and this this is the other piece of what gerard mm -hmm. is trying to understand the relationship between the mimetic rivalry spins up the problem is lack of differentiation so the the brothers mm -hmm. are, are somebody gets killed <laughs> usually one of the brothers like you talk but but, but collectively and and I'm still reading now, but it's, it's, for example, with Romulus and Remus for the founding of Rome, they yes. battle. But first, Remus is killed by the crowd, the Interba. There's the crowd. Then Romulus founds Rome, but then he apparently in the stories is also killed. It's the the, the clean the cleanest version is Julius Caesar is killed by the whole group of the senators, and that founds the empire. <laughs> uh, yeah. There there needs to be a collective murder. Yeah, men and togas need to shank in the Senate. Something. And that, I mean, Gerard, Gerard's yeah. super-duper terrifying insight into human civilization is, I mean, it's sort of Freudian, and he does agree with some of what happens in Moses, the, is it Totem Taboo or the other one, um, that uh, at the back of all of our mythologies is a collective murder, which then is mm -hmm. forgotten by the crowd in this in the simplest scapegoat version the scapegoat is blamed as is the, the the victim is made guilty right we talked about the sin chicken a while ago right the you know yeah. you throw all your sins on the scapegoat the sin chicken it's completely guilty and this uh, this and i don't understand the mechanism yet that gerard's trying to, de to describe but somehow that collective murder resolves the crisis and you can have peace again So this happened in the Exodus. With the Hebrews, when Moses was negotiating the, the, the Exodus out of Egypt, and then we have the first Passover when the angel of death comes through and kills the firstborn. Mm. So that's a foundational myth, which is based in mass killing. And that was the only way to differentiate Hebrew and Egyptian because up until that point, there was no way. And then the Lord said to Moses and he told everyone, you kill the lamb and you put the blood on the mm. lintel and then I will know who is who, Hebrew or Egyptian. And then we lock our doors and we wait. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Pasha. It all goes back to Pasha. 
We're in Egypt. Well, I showed you that Gerard <clears throat> says that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that we end up in Egypt. I, there is a, the gospels are the way out. Trust us. <laughs> but, 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 but to get to the, to get to the, the real revelation that is the gospels is, is astonishing, right? Because the, the, um, the sense of the innocence of the victim Gerard says for uh, of Christ is like impossible in world history. It's the only time that it's ever mm. not been the the scapegoating mechanism that he's trying that he's trying to describe. And he's again, I I'm still reading. We're gonna you're gonna get pieces of this as we carry on through our story training. That in the mythologies of the gods, the gods are this. This is also the problem of like where's evil come from. What's interesting about this mm. is. The, the mythological gods are somehow bad people, right? Bad care. You know, they're, they like do horrible things, right? Rape and murder and kill either kids. <laughs> and some, something that Gerard is trying to understand is like at the root of all of this is this collective murder that human beings, I think, you know, if, if you've, if we are evolved, which we're not, but whatever, the, the problem of human violence is really, really tricky. Because I, I, the other thing is I keep thinking about Lord of the Flies and the, the when they kill Piggy, um, uh, mm. that this kind of collective frenzy of the mob, which is what we're all afraid of always, the lynching or the, you know, yes. oh, you know, it, the white supremacists are about to like let loose on everybody. Um, it haunts us. It haunts humanity. And yet it, mm -hmm. it also is the thing that um, makes the sacred. And again, I'm, I'm a little, so anyway, with the, I've got Patriot Trader, Patriot Trader up here. The thing that they, they were all clear that the Capitol building itself was sacred. It was a sacred space, something, right? And when yes. I was looking, watching yes. that, I was thinking, it's the law that's enacted there. It's the building. It's the something. There's some, they were contesting over the sacred and something died that day in the Capitol on January 6th. I mean, I, I did, nothing mm -hmm. has been the same since. Something got killed that day. Um, I, I'm not saying Ashley Babbitt, it's not an actual person that's being killed, but there was there was some kind of collective something. It was a it was totemic yeah. death. The totem of America died. Yes. Yeah, that's why everyone's spiraling now. Because you can't function without totem. There is no such thing as a tribe or a clan or a nation without totem. I I'm not sure Gerard got to that point. That would make more sense of. So there's. I'm thinking of it. Like I that think you're because... right. I think you're right. So the conservative liberal liberal is like there's a to, there's a totemic something of England that my class and I spent this quarter trying to you know it's like where do you locate it? What interestingly it's always outside. Yeah. It's in a story that. They tell stories about themselves. The reason Jeffrey Monmouth and this King Arthur story became so popular was partly because he links England with Troy. <laughs> that he has Brutus coming from Troy. The Britons are Trojans. <laughs> but then the but it cycle. See, it may not historically be be accurate, but you need that. Um, you need a, that mythological thread in order to be psychologically functional, right. because otherwise. You're cast adrift in the ocean of time without any way of orientating in it. So you're 
you're back in dream time mm. without any song lines to navigate your way through it. And you can't function without song lines, which is, I mean, for anyone who's not seen this, uh, the arc before, Australia runs on dream time. Prior to British colonialism, there's this concept uh, in the Aboriginal mythology where it's past, present, and future all all at once, all at the same time, all running concurrently, which makes zero sense to white people until you realize that you're doing it on the internet all the freaking time. So the tribes had this um, interconnected uh, kind of living tapestry of music that they had to learn and reproduce and it was called song lines and it was all linked and the idea was that they would navigate the geography of both space and time using this um oral tradition as uh navigational mythology so when the british arrive they cut the song lines, which means they've they've cutting the the living oral mythology of all of the tribes, and then interrupting this back and forth. So if you think about it, it's like being on the internet with everybody completely free to say whatever they wanted to say and have the kind of natural rhythm of conversation flowing everywhere, and then all of a sudden having uh, a kind of big tech. Uh, event where you have uh, this big tech body place its foot into the internet and then all of a sudden cut the free exchange of information everywhere and all of these people are getting deplatformed mm -hmm. and suddenly you're losing the threads of being able to navigate between chat rooms and platforms and uh, blog spaces and you know it's like the geography of the internet is uh, suddenly dissolved you you don't have any map to navigate it because everybody's losing it so that's what happened here so what you're describing happens to the english is what happened here when the english arrives here it's cutting mythological uh navigational tools off which they then uh you know have a hard time replacing because we've rejected the ultimate mythology <laughs> but it makes sense the english needed to be trojans otherwise they can't navigate in dream time They've lost it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this, so that I started saying that I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the, or enjoyed or was captivated by the ads and their juxtapositions because of the history, myth, myth, history. And then realizing that that is what all of this is. It's the, the tapping mm -hmm. into our motivations for ending up in the rivalries, the, 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 the psychological spiritual mechanism that generates them, the mimesis. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the instability of history, the other, the other thing I'm, st I'm sort of reading Gerard in the pause between volumes of, of Strauss's um, life of Jesus critically examined. And what the interesting thing about Strauss's critically examining the gospels is finding out how none of them, makes sense if you try to do them like a railroad timetable <laughs> but you know the the different nativity stories won't work because this event can't have happened if that one did and it's all trying to be a, i've got empire nation we'll go to rational superstitious superstitious rational mm -hmm. right and i'm reading strauss and trying to figure out how do i answer this because i know that christ anchors history that has to happen and gerard is showing the way in which 
the gospels undo all of this scapegoating and and mythology i'm and again i'm not we'll, we'll try on gerard and see whether he actually persuades completely but um that strauss is trying to make the gospels historical in the sense of uh these two things are both described as happening at the same time. Therefore they can't, therefore they cancel each other out. Therefore it's only myth. And yet what Gerard is saying is because of the, 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 the recognition of what the scapegoat is, which is innocent, the gospels as a revelation show the mechanism of that myth and therefore give us the possibility of living in history, which we couldn't otherwise, because otherwise we're still constantly in that dream time that you're describing. Mm. And so it's somehow both, right? It's somehow the gospels give us the, the capacity to recognize our own participation in the collective murder. We crucify mm -hmm. Christ. And in order to, for us to be able to see that, we also have to be able to still see the way the myth works so that it doesn't feel like history. So this is why Christ spoke to us in parables. Because it's building. Building us into history out of dream time. You can't remove people from the mythological in order to put them into the historical. Well, we will now put our most powerful juxtaposition well second most powerful juxtaposition salvific satanic satanic salvific mm. what myth are we in <laughs> okay so salvific in this one first starts with the aztec sacrifice of the hearts to the sun which is entirely rational as Bartolome de las casas argued because they're they're one making the ultimate sacrifice of human life and that's rational yep. and two and this this is intriguingly a spanish drawing of the practice so the christians drawing the sacrifice showing the way the heart is carried up on this blood on the blood the, the heart's flying up into the air and going to the sun because the the blood from the sacrifices was said to feed the the sun which Gerard also talks about the problem of the, the the collective murder of the gods in the the sun sacrifice, right? The sun has it, it's complicated, but the gods sacrifice another god in order for there to be a sun, and in the mythology or metaphysics here, the sacrifices of the human beings feed the sun, which will go out otherwise. It's completely rational. Whereas many have a very difficult eat the bugs. I was thinking, eat the bugs, and you know, keep your carbon footprint down. Yes, like that. <laughs> right? There's, there's, feed the sun. Don't feed the sun. The sun will get too hot. The sun otherwise. will get too hot otherwise. <laughs> um, the satanic, of course, everyone you know who's not Christian, and some who are Christian but not Catholic, think, oh, this is all satanic. It's Saint Gregory's Mass. Um, done in feathers, right? This is actually at the the Metropolitan, although not on exhibit, and um, is made by a Nuadal artist to give as a gift to the Pope. So there you go. <laughs> I like my juxtaposition here. Um, it's showing um, the vision that Saint Gregory has allegedly of Christ with the instruments of the Passion. So both very bloody sacrifices, obviously. Um, 
uh, one represented by the Christians of the, the, I don't even know what the right word is. Pagan will get me in trouble. Heathen, infidel, no, um, not Christian. It's, it's salvific because it's feeding the sun. Um, the, the, the mass, mm-hmm. you know, the Protestants and would reject this kind of representation of, and everybody else would consider like, Oh, you worship, you, you worship a guy stuck on a cross. Aren't you the weird ones or worse? But, uh, you know, from a Christian perspective, yeah. no, the mass is the salvific offering and the offering of the hearts to the demons is satanic. Break us out of this one. <laughs> I keep thinking about the Kaaba in Saudi Arabia for some reason, so I don't know what that's about, but I'll get there. <laughs> um, okay. Time. <laughs> I'm being summoned. Um, the salvific and the satanic. Talk about mm. a twinning, right? What a twin. It's a problem of will. Oh, go away. Um, it's a problem of will. Both have human sacrifice. Because Christ is sacrificed for us. Um... I'm thinking of the object. It's the reset. The mob in both cases have human beings murdered to appease the deity. To shift all of the energy of their panic over some impending disaster onto that particular object of sacrifice. So the mechanism is the same because in the in the American example, they're worried the sun is going to go out unless they offer it blood and hearts. In the in the case of what happened in uh, in Judea, they're trying to anchor. Everybody's trying to anchor themselves in a existential chaos. They're still having the same kind of crisis. It's it's. I mean, in Gerard's vision, it's going to be the same kind because we're human and we keep finding ourselves in that crisis. Mm. We, we the chat is thinking 
Casey, self-sacrifice versus involuntary sacrifice. Well, what's interesting is that in the in the Aztec or in the in the Spanish accounts of what the Aztec thought they were doing, they say that the the victims actually offer themselves, which is an interesting problem. And the Gerard plays, you know, talks about that. It's like, why? Who are we to dis to to, to disbelieve that? But on the other hand, what the mm-hmm. the the crowd says, the crowd needs to believe that they're voluntary. But we say Christ is voluntary too, so that's a um, Casey's just right. God God sacrifices himself. Cain sacrifices Abel. Um. This this is where the break, you know, the sort of. Okay, so one of the things that that people are you know often asking, when can God die? And this is one of the things Gerard's trying to understand. It's like God is in that that moment of violence somehow. The sacred is there. Maybe not God, but the mm-hmm. sacred, right? The sacred is this. It rises from this moment of collective violence because it's the thing that brings peace somehow, and therefore, the the mm-hmm. God who is both source of the crisis is also the resolution of the crisis and again i'm not quite sure where gerard hypothesizes god comes from because he is he does end up christian after this long journey in his own meditations um and seeing Mm -hmm. christ as i mean it's like he's trying to see how christ is in fact the only way out like fundamentally the only way out of this cycle of escalating rivalries Well, that makes sense because he's crucified on Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. So it's the death of Adam and Eve and the rivalry for knowledge. We have the the envy of the serpent introducing this this fruit to Eve, and then Adam obviously doesn't want to miss out, so he takes it. That's the place where Christ ends up crucified. So... The resolution to this happens at um, at Calvary because the energy has to be directed. So we have surgery suggesting the way to break the cycle of mimetic violence is martyrdom. Yes, but we need to understand why it works. It's 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 actually so. We have one last. Um, this is a view, different a view from a different perspective. He's recognizing that in all of mm. the other um, juxtapositions, we've been looking at them, right? So we stand outside of them, as it were, and you know, can't resolve them or get ourselves caught up in them. Um, in this one, I have uh, Tiso's image of Christ, on Christ, what Christ saw from the cross. <laughs> so you see his feet with Mary Magdalene at the bottom of it, and then the crowd that Christ from the cross sees. And what does Christ see when he's on the cross? Does he see good and bad? Another another layer of what Gerard starts to understand is the way in which the the um, scapegoat the victim becomes a monster. Monsters they, we have to, we're going to get end up with monster killers in in all of this, right? That it's appropriate for heroes to fight monsters, and this is one of the things that I've I've um, 
meditated on because Beowulf, uh, because Tolkien and Beowulf, and he has this sort of, in his great Beowulf and the critics essays, thinking about why the monsters have to be monstrous, right? Like it really matters that Grendel is a cannibal, although he's descended from Cain. So he's not really human, but he is, yeah. right? But that he needs, and that the Cain and his mother have, to, sorry, Grendel and his mother have to be monsters. And then the dragon has to be a monster. And so they have to be monsters in order for the hero's victory over them to have the right kind of energy as we're, we're, we're thinking about this. Mm. Um, but in the, in the, in, in myths like Oedip the Oedipus, Gerard spends a lot of time on Oedipus and the scapegoat. Um, he's thinking about how Oedipus deserves to die because he's murdered his father and married his mother. And he's the reason for the plague. So this gets us around to the COVID. Right? It's like, who was the reason for yep. the plague? And you all may be wondering why we don't have, you know, certain people on trial right now, because they were clearly the mechanism, the, the, the generators of the stories behind the decisions that were made. My prediction right now is there's not going to be a big uproar against them. And I'm thinking that Gerard is possibly the, one who has the insight to why it's like after the war is over it's not necessarily the war criminals that get put on trial mm. something else somebody else gets caught up because the group who has participated in the collective violence needs a scapegoat needs to not feel that it was at fault they have to have the catharsis of scapegoating somebody. Yep. It's about catharsis. Yep. Which from this perspective rather puts a different light on Nazis, but we'll do that some other time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the Nazis are definitely the, 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 you know, put all of the, the Nuremberg trials, right? We put all of, all mm -hmm. of the crimes, all of the crimes that happened in the war on the Nazis at those trials. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> well, there's never a, there's never a discussion on what anyone else was up to. I mean, even from the perspective of the other Axis powers, right? It's just sort of pushed. Like no one, you know, uh, we don't have a discussion with Italians about the same kind of things that you'd have a discussion with the Germans about. And virtually no one in Australia gives a gives a thought to the Japanese, you know. So it's 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 interesting. It's like the they've taken on. Um, the they got to they be Hans or we the baddies. Yeah, They're this, the ones covered in skulls. Yeah, just yeah. It's all the United States somehow. There. I mean, I was looking at that graph that that was circulating today about how the birth rates in Japan have plummeted. <laughs> oh yeah, sterile Japan. Sterile Japan. Yeah. Who? I wonder who dropped bombs yep. on them. Mm. <laughs> and, and and there's you know there's collect a rather spicy one too collectively all sorts of things that you know we're starting to recognize the united states was participating in yeah um hans are we the baddies and and yet nothing ever happens right it's like so this is this is this is kind of I've got got you guys to the edge of where i'm thinking about right now it's like why mm. isn't there going to be a massive outcry against the the people who brought us the lockdowns the people who brought us those demonstrations not vaccines the you know the people that convinced you all to wear masks 
right now it does not feel like you know everybody in you know everybody in the conspiracy theory part of the world wants to say oh you know the the trials are starting soon but but that's not actually what happened for example after the 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 french revolution right robespierre has got its head cut off and then mm -hmm. it all evaporates yep yep the energy just the energy just disappears yep. dissipated because the focus point's gone so the orientation is is lot the, the orientation of the mass the orientation of the crowd is gone so the energy dissipates right so without the hate muse it doesn't really exist everybody returns to the amnesia of well okay so another of the stories that that um Gerard analyzes in scapegoat is um cadmus and the dragon teeth so mm -hmm. cadmus and thebes kills their the plague right the plague images and all of this obviously plague somehow covid whatever it was mm -hmm. had the psychological psycho-spiritual mythological presence of plague even though we know it probably wasn't <laughs> probably certainly wasn't um so it's there is the plague so we need something to fight it um cadmus mm. kills the dragon and takes its teeth and sows the teeth and they become armies and then the armies are you know they're gonna rampage around thieves and so he throws a pebble in the middle of them and they fight each other to the death and it's the pebble right it's like it's like just he he having slain the dragon and created a new dragon problem throws a pebble in and the armies kill each other Thieves yeah. is saved. New thing, new destruction. Well, more that there's there there isn't actually the it's it's like the the mimetic rivalry has dissipated and therefore there's nothing to fight it's about. Gone. Yeah. 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 Yep. And and insofar as I don't right now in my you know sensitivity to stuff sensitive or not as it is i don't feel it i don't feel i it feels like everybody's yes. in the amnesia and it's and, and you know we, yes. we're, we're trying to do the historical thing and make sure that we mark stuff and say what happened and things like that but my study of history and my memory of after world war one I, I mean okay germany collapsed for a bit but the 1920s are surreal in the degree to which mm. world war one's gone right Tol yeah. tolkien and lewis try to write mythology about it but otherwise roaring 20s, roaring 20s. No worried about. Mm. yep you know the baby boom and the 50s they come right after world war ii yeah right and so there's this this weird kind of once the sacrifice is the the the, the victim is is killed the scapegoat is killed so i'm not one i'm not sure with the COVID stuff what the scapegoat was whether it's in fact the entire children you know the children who were all forced into into masks and on zoom for two years three years which is a pretty big mm. child sacrifice yeah it is um yeah i'm still sort of thinking this through i'm not gonna plug this in so anyway we're all monsters <laughs> right and what what i'm meditating on this one what christ sees from the cross is humans and monsters monsters and humans and 
you can you know worry yeah. about whether those labels are on top of the the Pharisees or the Romans or the the mob or whatever. But what Christ sees from the cross is good, bad, bad, good. It's the crowd. The crowd is uh, the crowd is just a bunch of blood sucking vampires. <laughs> We'll go back to humans, monsters, monsters, humans, if you like that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we are faced with the real problem of this, you know, what the, what is evil, right? Satan has a role in this. Satan is, is you know, definitely a force and, and a reality. But the reality of it is, remember when we were talking about the demons in the desert, whether they're our thoughts or external to us? Yeah. You know the the if if the, if Solzhenitsyn is right, and the line of of you know good and evil goes to the heart of every human being. Where is I mean the evil is in us, and mm -hmm. and this will be. I think the thing that we need to leave everybody meditating on now. Casey is trying Salem, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, Salem. Yes, yes, something there. Nice. Yes, very nice. Bishop saying. Um, that was a mic drop statement that Nazis escape got. Well, we, we aim to please um, <laughs> or startle or horrify. Keep, 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 keep you in the mythological so that you are not settling in. Don't get caught up in these spiraling rivalries because you yeah. will be the crowd incapable of seeing itself. Give us Barabbas. That's what Christ saw from the cross. Yeah. We will have no king but Caesar. And this is what Gerard sees, and this is what he says. The Gospels are a revelation of the scapegoat was innocent. No other mythology cannot see that. They always come up with ways of making the scapegoat either responsible or vanishing the they either make the scapegoat responsible or vanish the crowd murder one way or the other hmm. and i mean vanishing the crowd murder is very very typical i think it's like you can't see he says like in socrates when socrates dies the philosophers escape because they're not they're there with him being friends they're not administering the dose right it's just those evil athenians so telling the story so that you're the, we are no longer responsible right yeah. the world war to the you know the atrocities of world war ii people are starting to wake up and being able to see them the atomic bomb was definitely one or two um the the firebombing that the the british and the americans engaged in was definitely mm -hmm. another that you know, insofar as the 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 crowd can't see its own guilt mm. we crucified christ yeah Hans, are we, we the are baddies? The <laughs> we are the monsters. We are the monsters. Yeah. We're going to leave you with that thought now. <laughs> um, 
to be continued. Thank you for joining us.